Welcome to Mosaic, the EDC podcast. Mosaic is a place to explore pressing challenges in education, health, and economic opportunity with EDC staff around the world. Good things happen when literacy becomes a community affair. That's being shown in Mali, where teachers, parents, and neighbors are all helping young children learn how to read and write, with some assistance from EDC's USAID-funded Selective Integrated Reading Activity, or CIRA. EDC's Ajwa Ajakra has visited many CIRA communities over the past four years, and has met teachers and parents who have helped implement the program. In this podcast, she discusses the need and value of CIRA's community approach, and how it is beginning to yield significant results. So Ajwa, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Burke. So let's start by talking about the Selective Integrated Reading Activity, otherwise known as CIRA, which is one of the projects that you're working on in Mali. How is the program trying to improve early literacy in Mali? Yeah, so CIRA, the Selective Integrated Reading Activity, is a five-year initiative uh, financed by USAID uh, that started in 2016 um, and will end in February 2021. And the objective is to improve the teaching and learning of reading and writing of Bamanakan, which is a local Malian language, for grades one and two children in public and community schools. And so we're currently working in approximately 4,000 schools in three regions, in, plus the district of Bamako. And there are three ways in which we are uh, improving literacy. The first is focused on in-classroom initiatives. And so here we're developing pedagogical materials, um, both for teachers, but also for learners, um, helping teachers to better teach reading. The second component is the institutional component, whereby we work directly with the Ministry of National Education to improve um, education systems. The third is a community participation component, which is a unique uh, component in that we're working with parents and community members and the private sector to be able to bring about a change in mindset and a, a change in attitudes and, and um, practices regarding early grade reading. Tell me about the need for improved literacy instruction in Mali. So what are literacy rates like mm-hmm. and how is literacy usually taught in schools? Yeah. So there, there is a heightened need for um, literacy um, work, initiatives to improve literacy in Mali. If we go back to 2009, uh, that was when the first early grade reading activity or EGRA assessment um, was carried out. And the results of that evaluation were unfortunately catastrophic in that roughly 5,000 students in grades one and two were evaluated in six different languages. And by the end of grade two, uh, depending on the language that was selected between 83% and 95% of the students surveyed could not read a single word um, of a grade appropriate text. And so then you fast forward to 2015 when the next EGRA was conducted and 3.2% of students, you know, could meet the standards that had been set by the Ministry of National Education. And so since 2009, it's really been a priority, not only for the Ministry of National Education, but for the entire education sector in Mali. One of the things that you were saying before that makes CIRA somewhat unique is that there's a big community participation component to it. So you really make a big effort to involve parents and community members and teachers in the effort to promote literacy, not just at the school, but also at home and Mm -hmm. and in other sort of informal uh, learning spaces. So why did you decide that working with these populations was so important as you sort of set out to improve literacy in Mali? So traditionally, the responsibility of educating a child, you know, was solely that of the schools, the school director and the teachers. And so parents felt that their only responsibility was enrolling their child in school. And that's where things ended. 
But we've seen, you know, over the years that even looking at different models and different projects, that even where there are classroom initiatives and then community initiatives, that they're managed separately. And so we wanted to try and see, you know, what what impact we could have by designing a program that really integrated the two. So what are some ways that you bring parents and community members in? We began by developing what we call a social behavior change communications campaign, which we thought needed to set the scene, you know, for all the community participation activities that we would be implementing. Um, We developed radio spots that were aired on public radios. We developed posters, you know, that were distributed across all our communities to make sure that the visual messaging was harmonized, you know, in sync with what they were hearing on the radio. Um, In addition to that, we have community volunteers who live and work in the communities that support parents. And so the project has developed some tools um, to help the parents support their children to read and write. One of them is called the Family Family School Link Booklet, which is an activity book, basically. And so there's an activity per month, and the community volunteer helps the parents at home uh, work through these activities with their child. And so whether or not they're literate, they can actually implement certain steps to help their children learn to read. We also involve parents and community members in the management of schools. And so the school management committees, for example, organize regular meetings where they invite education actors, teachers, school directors, community members to come and develop and review school report cards. Um, and so here, there's a list of challenges that the community you know, identify regarding the school system. So for example, they will review teacher attendance, they will review student attendance, they will review whether or not the teachers are effectively using the pedagogical materials that Sarah has given to the schools. They will assess whether or not the radios and the IRI materials are being used, etc. And so depending on the status of those um, different components, the participants then develop um, school improvement plans. And so this is really their opportunity to act. And so we believe that once parents and community members have this education about the system the education system in their respective communities, they feel empowered to act upon that and organize at the community level to improve you know, education outcomes for their own children. So what has been the reaction? I mean, it sounds like what you're really after here is you're changing the culture from assuming that literacy instruction will only happen in schools to now empowering parents mm-hmm. to really do reading at home with their kids and to, to help foster this sort of overall love of reading. Yeah, uh, to be honest, in the beginning, it was very challenging. We we began by conducting what we call um, social negotiations, whereby we, we go into the different communities to assess the level of interest, um, to see whether or not the communities are willing to participate and support you know the activities before we sign them on. And when we were going through that process, we had some communities that were not just reluctant, but were totally against you know the fact that that the language of instruction you know in Sierra schools would be national language. You know, traditionally for classic schools in Mali, the language of instruction would be French. And so we had a lot of pushback, you know, from from certain communities because some family members and, and teachers and community members felt as though what we were proposing wasn't going to help them. It was, you know, going to have the negative effect. We had some community members actually ask, you know, very good questions. You know, why is it that Bamako, the capital city, is not included as an intervention zone. You know, why is it that the children of ministers, you know, 
aren't learning in Bamanakan, but they're learning in French. You know, so so it was a process um, that we needed to really take time to explain, you know, the research, because again, it's about access to information that most often, you know, communities, some, some communities do not have. And so helping them understand that the research shows that if a child first learns to read in their own language, that transition of skills, you know, from L1, language one, to L2, which is the second language, you know, is, 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 is possible and that their chances for success in the long run actually are higher. You know, um, as part of Sierra's community participation activities, we set up what we call Yelenkene, which are community libraries, and we provide, you know, a metallic chest um, that include roughly 350 books um, and supplies and management tools to manage the library. And we train the, the, we train the communities, the volunteers, as well as the community-based organizations to be able to effectively manage those. And communities were just very excited, you know, by the fact that they would for once be getting you know reading materials so you've been talking about the community aspect and community participation have you been able to measure at all any of the impact that Sierra has has had on parents or community members and their attitudes towards literacy we have yes so um, as part of the baseline in 2016 we carried out a knowledge attitudes and practices study which evaluated parents and community members' um, attitudes and practices regarding you know, early grade reading. And just last year, in 2018, we completed the midline. So the end line will be conducted in 2020. But already I can share that the trend has been positive. The results show that the percentage of parents who are able to positively support their children has increased from 73.7% to 82%, um, which is which is considerable. Um, we have uh, a significant increase in the number of parents from 70.8% to 79.8% who reported to now creating space, you know, a conducive environment at home to enable their children to be able to learn to read and write, whereas before that wasn't so much of a priority. Um, now they recognize that it is. We've also seen that community members are a lot more active in monitoring student attendance, you know, teacher participation in class, teacher retention. Um, and so the numbers definitely also are supporting, you know, our observations. And then I know you've been to Mali many times. I know you're going there again pretty soon. Uh, you must have met some parents or teachers who've been involved in, in Sierra schools. I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about what their reaction has been to all of the work that you've been doing and whether or not they feel like they're more able to support their own children's uh, literacy at home at this point. Yeah, sure. So during my last visit, um, I visited Sogon School, uh, and I remember meeting Fatumata Keita, who was a mother with four children. And she was telling me about how initially she she wasn't for the approach. She had talked about how her her older three children, you know, had gone through the school system. She wasn't very satisfied, but that was the norm, you know, that they would just go through. But she was extremely happy that her youngest was able to read and write, you know, just six months into, into, this, into the school year. And she said that I have four children, and this is the first time that one of my children are actually able to read and write, you know, six months into the program. And because she was literate, she had actually started a group in the evenings whereby she would encourage children of you know neighbors whose parents were not literate to come by and spend time reading you know using some of the materials that the project um, had had shared with them and trained them to use 
And what's really encouraging for us is that, unfortunately, there was a strike, um, a teacher strike. And so for roughly four and a half months, you know, schools were closed and, and students weren't able to go to school. And we were able to see in many communities, parents such as Fatumata Keita, mobilizing children and continuing continuing on with the community participation activities, working with the uh, Family School Link booklets and other reading materials to be able to continue, you know, allowing the children to learn. Um, and without that, it would have meant that the children would have gone, you know, four and a half months without any any learning opportunities. So that must have felt really rewarding to see that some of the work that you've done has really paid off and that the learning isn't just happening in the schools anymore, it's actually happening in the community with parents. Exactly, yes. And and I think that it's just very, very exciting for us all to see that, you know, the results are not just in the classroom. Um, I think one thing that, that we all need to keep in mind is that the pedagogical component, you know, in-classroom instruction, but also community participation activities complement each other. And it's time really that we, we continue to focus on those as a unit. Great. Well, Ajwa, thanks so much for talking to me about this, and good luck when you go back to Mali. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Mosaic. For more information about CIRA or EDC's other USAID-funded programs around the world, visit us online at edc.org.